message tonight. You guys doing okay? Feel, feeling alive? It's spring. There's more sun. Uh, and uh, and that's exciting. We uh, uh, Anybody excited about March Madness basketball going on? Like seven of you? All right. Uh, awesome. So how many of you filled out a bracket this year? Anybody filled out a bracket? All right. So if you fill out a bracket, you're at this point, 16 games in, you're probably like, darn it, I stink. If you're like me, I got a bunch of them wrong. Guys, uh, I am holding my head high tonight because my wife's bracket is 100% correct right now. <laughs> Guys, no joke. No joke. She is in the, like, that is only point zero. It's point uh, one. Five percent of the entire nation's bracket is perfect right now. All right, one in a thousand, one in a thousand people's bracket is perfect, and hers is perfect. All right, so I'm pretty proud of Erin. All right, uh, she picked a 12-5 upset, a 10-7 upset, and a 9-8 upset, all correctly. I mean, very impressive. All right, some of you are like, I have no idea what's going on right now, but uh, okay. So, uh, how many of you? Anybody like to hunt in here? Any hunters? All right, I grew up hunting. It was part of the tradition of my family. I, I enjoy hunting to this day. And uh, one of the ways that my, my dad uh, taught us how to, uh, to shoot guns was by teaching us how to shoot a twenty two rifle. Uh, and uh, one of the ways, we had, we, had, uh, we had this farmer friend growing up. I grew up in the Midwest, and there's lots of farms, lots of different, uh, lots of different pastures and farms and fields. And uh, we knew this farmer by the name of John Owney, all right? So Farmer Owney uh, was a good guy, and he knew uh, my dad, and he knew us, us kids. And, and uh, he, he called us up, and he said, hey, guys, I need your help with something. Uh, I have a gopher problem on, on one of my pastures, and I would love for you to come and eradicate my gophers for me. And so um, gophers uh, dig holes, obviously, which cows step in. And they have the potential of breaking legs, and if a cow breaks a leg, it's it's bye bye cow. And so uh, he wanted to uh, he wanted to obviously uh, eradicate the gophers from his field. So we went out there, and he said, "Guys, just don't shoot a cow, but otherwise, just uh, go ahead." No, the story does not end with us shooting a cow. All right, all right. So that's <laughs> who's disappointed in that? Uh, it's terrible. So so we would go and we would shoot. We'd have so much fun shooting these gophers, eliminating the gophers from these fields, and and. Uh, and then my grandma lived really close to, to Farmer Owney. And so we would bring our dead gophers. And now this might sound gross to some of you, but understand I grew up on a farm. Don't judge me, all right? Uh, but my grandma grew had a farm. And on a farm, like, cats are not like pets. They are a necessity for eradicating mice from the farm place. And so you just kind of let the cats roam free, all right? It is a, uh, a, a free, uh, free area. There's usually like a local tomcat that just kind of like makes his rounds, all right, uh, which is kind of crazy. And, uh, and just like there's kittens and cats just all over the place. My grandma's farm probably had like 25 cats on it. Uh, none of them came into our house. They were all kind of a little bit mangy and wild. And, uh, and so we would bring the, bring the cats these gophers, and we would feed them these gophers, all right? That, don't, don't be grossed out by it, all right? It's perfectly natural. The cats were very excited about this. And so we'd bring, we'd bring the gophers, and, and, uh, and that's kind of, that was how we helped with the cycle of life. But uh, we, uh, this, one, this one day, we, 
uh, we got back from gopher hunting, and we'd always go gopher for whatever reason. We'd take my mom's minivan gopher hunting uh, because it's like the perfect gopher hunting uh, vehicle, you know? Nothing screams man uh, like gopher hunting. And uh, nothing screams man like going gopher hunting in a minivan. And so we went, uh, went gopher hunting in my mom's minivan. And uh, my little brother was, was quite small at the time, and, and he was hunting with us. And, and we got back, and uh, my mom's van, after gopher hunting, started to kind of stink a little bit. And we're like, uh-oh. And so my mom was like, hey, listen, uh, something stinks in my van. I, you guys shot some gophers. There's some, like nasty stuff in the trunk where you laid those gophers. I need to have you clean my van out. So we go, and we, like, kind of, like, wash out the van, spray some Febreze in it, and we're, like, good to go, right? And uh, and the smell doesn't go away. In fact, it gets worse. And so my mom says, listen, boys, you have to go out there and clean out that van and do a better job. And so this time we go out there, we, like, grab actual soap this time, and we, like, scrub down the back trunk of my mom's minivan, and we squirt a bunch of Febreze in there, and the smell still wasn't going away, and so we, like, started buying, like, uh, air fresheners and just kind of, like, throwing them random places in the car, and, uh, and my mom started to get even more upset because the smell just kept getting worse, and what we didn't realize but what we quickly realized after it was so, my, my mom came in, no, no joke, my mom came in from work one day and said, that's it, guys, thanks to you, I'm going to have to just light my van on fire, all right? It's gone, it's a lost cause, it smells so bad in there, and I don't know what's going on. And so we started to think that maybe something had, like, crawled up in the vents and died, right? Like, we're not sure what's going on. And so finally, she says, listen, I need you guys to go and do a deep clean of the entire van, not just the trunk, the entire thing. And as we are cleaning it out, we realize what had happened. You see, my little brother was small, and he was really, really proud of the fact that he had shot his own gopher. And so instead of putting it in the pile with all of the other gophers, he wanted to show grandma his shot gopher. So he decided, I need to keep my gopher separate from the rest of the gophers so I know which gopher is mine. The problem is, is that as little kids do, he had a little bit of ADD and a little bit of a, you know, his attention was not on the gopher. So when we got to grandma's house, the first thing he did was just jump out of the van. And he left his gopher underneath his seat. And nobody knew about it. And a week and a half later, this thing had been fermenting in the hot sun. And when we found that puppy, it was incredibly disgusting. We'll just put it that way. The reason I share that story is not to upset your stomach, not to make you want to run to the bathroom and vomit, not to make you think that, like, Steve is somehow like an animal hater. That's not my heart, all right? The reason I share that story is because I think a lot of times in our lives, we actually treat sin that way. In our lives, I think there are some things that kind of stink a little bit. There's some things in our lives that might be fermenting. And our fix to it is just, I just need a quick fix to this. I just want it to smell better just for a little while. And so what we do is we just grab some Febreze in our lives, and we just kind of like spray just a little bit of Febreze on something. Sorry about that, Dalton. All right. We spray a little bit of Febreze on something, and... uh, And we say, okay, I think it's better now. But the problem is, is that it starts to stink the very next day. And so we bring us a little bit of Febreze and we spray it back on there. (laughs) 
Yes, I actually did squirt you, Dalton. Uh, we put some Febreze on it. We just kind of cover it up. And we treat our sin the same way a junior hire treats his body odor with Axe body spray. And we just got, no shower needed here. Right? Now, some of you are still using Axe body spray. And... Uh, and if you are, I, that's okay, all right? That's okay. I don't, I don't look down on you. Just make sure you also use it with a shower is all I'm saying, okay? Uh, <laughs> anyways, I don't know why we're going there. Um, essentially, essentially, what we're trying to say is that I believe Jesus wants us not to treat sin as a way of just covering things up, but to treat our sins as getting to the bottom of our sin. And I think that he looks at our sin very differently. Jesus does not just want to come apply Febreze to our lives or some Axe body spray to our lives to make us smell better temporarily. He wants to change us from the inside out. He wants to give us a new identity. He wants to essentially forgive us of our sins and not just cover over our sins. And I think that, uh, that how Jesus looks at the sin in our lives is how we should also look at the sin in our lives. And tonight, we're going to be in Hebrews 10. If you guys have your Bibles, you can turn there. And uh, tonight's message is, is uh, going to gonna be a little bit shorter, and, and I want to give us a, a little bit of time here at the end to, to allow the Lord to just do some things in our heart. But, but essentially, this is what it says in Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews 10. It, it starts talking about the difference between how God looked at sin and how God had us handle sin in the Old Testament before Jesus came to how God had us handle sin in the New Testament after Jesus came. It's two very different things. And the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 10 compares these two things. Before Jesus came, the way that God instructed people to handle their sin was through sacrifice. Now, what do I mean by that? Essentially, the Bible says that the payment of sin is death. That God, in his righteousness and holiness, cannot have any sin around him. And that when we sin, the, the payment of our sin is death. And because he is a just God, how many people like justice? Anybody like justice in here? We love justice, right? But for whatever reason, we kind of get upset with God when, when he's just. Uh, and and it's, I always find that kind of interesting. God is a just God, and that's actually a really good thing. It's what makes him so good. It's what makes him so holy and righteous. But because of his justice and because of his holiness and righteousness, he can have no sin around him. And so because the payment of sin is death, God says, listen, I need you to do these animal sacrifices as a covering over of your sin and as a reminder that your sin is causing death in your life, and that someday there's going to need to be a permanent solution to this. But in the Old Testament, God kind of said, listen, we're going to spray some Febreze on this stuff until I can take care of it when I send my son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to permanently take care of this sin. And so Jesus comes, and that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that Jesus comes to earth, and he dies once and for all. So here's where we're going to be. In verse 11, in verse 11, it says, Day after day, now listen to this, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again and again and again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, 
which can never take away sins. In other words, no matter how many bulls they sacrifice, no matter how many goats, no matter how many lambs, no matter how many whatever, no matter what they sacrifice, it only covered over the sin. It sprayed Febreze on it. And it reminded them that there was death involved in their sin. But it couldn't take away sin. And then it says this about Jesus in verse 12. But when this priest, and that's referring to Jesus, but when Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now, who is he referring to? He's referring to me and you, those who are being made holy through our relationship with him. This is good news, guys. I hope you're at least just a little bit excited about this. But see, the devil loves to distract us from how awesome of a thing it is that Jesus just doesn't come and spray Febreze on our death. He says, listen, I'm going to take that gopher in your life, and I'm actually going to get him out of your van. So that the consequences of that sin do not continue to ferment in your life, but that you actually get rid of it completely. And that's what I want to do. And I want to give you an identity that gives you confidence before me. My question for you tonight is, are, are we convinced of this? Are we convinced that Jesus actually has 100% eradicated our sin? And if we are convinced of it, then is it actually changing the way we live our lives? If we are, understand this fully, I think it changes the way we look at God. It changes the way we approach God. It changes the way we react to what Jesus did. It changes the way we see our own sin in our lives, and it ultimately changes the way we react to our own sin in our lives. It literally changes everything. Let us not be, let us not be people who are involved in a cover-up over our sin. But instead, let us be people who seek freedom that we have made available through us, through Jesus, or through Jesus Christ to us. Now, before we, we kind of get into a couple things here, I want, I want you to understand that whenever, I think whenever a, a speaker says the word sin or talks about sin, there's like this immediate temptation for us to just like lock up our hearts and say, forget it, I'm not listening to this, I don't want to hear this. My heart tonight is not to bring condemnation or guilt or shame. My heart tonight is to bring freedom, and it's not going to come unless your heart's open. God's a good God, and he's got something good for you tonight. Tonight, I think uh, there's two mindsets that get pointed out in this, in this uh, chapter that the devil tries to get us stuck in to leave us in a cover-up attitude, to just keep spraying our sin with, with Febreze. And for those of you who make fun of me for always having three points in my message, well, curveball tonight, there's only two, all right? All right. Number one, and if you're here for the first time, trust me, you'll hear lots of three-point sermons, okay? All right. Number one, the first mindset that the devil tries to get us stuck in to leave us in a cover-up attitude is that he convinces, he, he, he allows us to not be totally convinced that God has totally removed our sin. 
we, we stay stuck in this mindset of not being convinced that God has totally removed our sin. So we go on in this chapter, in this, uh, in this uh, chapter of Hebrews, in verse 19, it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, everyone say confidence, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near, everyone say near, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, the devil loves to convince us that Jesus didn't actually pay it all for you. And that he's actually holding some of your sin against you still. And that he's just kind of waiting up there, ready to like strike you with a lightning bolt if you screw up one more time. Or that there is somehow a, a way that, that he is, would be more or less pleased with you or more or less satisfied with you. I think sometimes we get in this funk of our shame and guilt. And... Uh, and we allow the, the Holy Spirit to, to maybe like, like allow us to feel grace maybe once in a while, but then we walk away and we, get, we slip right back into this attitude of shame and guilt and we allow the enemy to convince us that we're identified by the things in our past. And I really felt this as I was praying over this message that, that there's some of you that come to Chi Alpha because it is the only hour or two hours of your week that you feel good. And if that's you tonight, I want you to know that there is not just freedom for you while you are in the presence of God, worshiping God. There is freedom for you every single minute of every single day in a continual relationship with Jesus in which he has allowed this truth to work itself out in your life in that he convinces you and you are living convinced that your sin has been totally removed and that you can approach him in confidence and in full assurance of your faith at any given moment, at any given time of any given day. Isn't that good news? I think some of us fall into this lie that, that we keep got to keep on earning God's, God's approval. If there was any way for us to do that, Jesus would not have needed to come. And I think when I was, uh, uh, this was a, something that uh, really spoke to me. When I was a young man, and I've told this story before, but, but, uh, but I want to tell it again because I think it's going to bring some breakthrough to some people's lives. Uh, when my life changed, when my walk with Jesus took a significant shift was when I understood what I'm just talking about today. And that was, I was a sophomore in high school and and if you had asked little Steve if he was going to heaven when he died, he would tell you, you know, I think so. I think God thinks I'm a pretty good person. And I think he would let me in. But can you really be sure? And uh, one day I was at this conference, and uh, there was a 
person speaking on the assurance of salvation, on the fact that we can approach God with confidence. And at that conference, he spoke and he talked about how Jesus paid everything for my sin, that I was not identified by my past guilt or my past shame or my past actions or my past things that happened to me. And in that moment, I started to realize, oh my gosh, so you mean to tell me that like Jesus paid it all? Like, Gave me a new identity, like took care of everything, like didn't just like squirt my squirt my my death with Febreze, but he actually took it all away, and it's a hundred percent cleanse. Are you kidding me? It changed everything in my life. You see, it it allowed me to to look at God differently. It allowed me to approach God with confidence, and it allowed me to react to what Jesus actually did for me on the cross. You see, when I understood that he paid it all, then I understood that all to him I owe, right? And that leads us to the, the second mentality that the devil keeps us stuck in is that we're not convinced that I should strive to remove sin in my life. So this is what this passage goes on to say. Verse uh, 19, we read there, and then we, we read up to, to verse 22. So it says this in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now listen to this. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, in other words, if we truly believe that Jesus paid it all, that he has set us free from all of our sin. And then we deliberately go on sinning after we have received the knowledge of that truth. No sacrifice for sins is left, but only fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy and the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled on the Son of God underfoot who has, tr- who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that's, that sanctified them and who, is ins- who has insulted the spirit of grace. That's a lot of stuff to unpack. But essentially, this is what it's saying. Is that if those Old Testament believers, those people who came before Jesus, if they believed that God was merciful and that his promises were true, and they didn't even see Jesus, and we're able to look back to Jesus and see that the promise has already been fulfilled, then God has called us to say, I'm going to hold myself to the standard of Jesus Christ. And am I living under grace? Yes, 100% am I living under grace. But the Bible says that I can actually insult the spirit of grace by deliberately going on sinning and not giving a hoot about the sin in my life. Now, essentially, what this is saying, to kind of reword this, in other words, to not treat sin the way Jesus treats sin, is, and, which means the way Jesus treats sin is essentially a total eradication being the desire for sin in our lives. That, that Jesus says, listen, I paid it all. I've given you a 100% new identity. That's my desire for you. To not treat sin the way Jesus treats sin is a misunderstanding of sin. 
And it's an inaccurate reflection of the character of God working itself out in our lives. Because God has something more. Now, what I'm not saying is I'm not saying that all of us are going to be perfect, right? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that there is some death in our lives. There are some dead gophers in our life. That Jesus says, hey, listen, that is not my best for you. And it's stinking to high heaven. And I want something better. And I need you to care about the fact that there's something dead there. And I don't want you to just spray it with Febreze. Because to spray it with Febreze is a misunderstanding of what I've done for you on the cross. Because what I did for you on the cross is not so, I didn't, I didn't die on a cross for you. So that you could just go spray your problems with Febreze. I went to a cross for you so that you could get rid of the condemnation and the guilt and the shame and the burden and the brokenness and the hurt in your life. Don't misunderstand. Jesus essentially in this passage says, don't misunderstand and mistreat the grace that I have given you by dying for you on a cross. Because there's no greater insult to the spirit of grace than saying, I'm just going to spray this with Febreze, cover it over, and kind of be okay. God is not a cosmic killjoy. He doesn't just want to rob joy from your life and say, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. But it's time we start calling our dead gophers dead gophers. And it's time we start not just spraying them with Febreze, but saying, Jesus, if you have something better, I trust you. I think we're, we, we become naive to the seriousness of sin in our lives. We, can bli- we become blind to the full effect of sin. And sometimes we, we choose to shut our brains and our eyes off to some of the things that maybe are remaining hidden in our hearts that maybe aren't totally and 100% pleasing to God. We shut our brains and our minds and our hearts off to hearing anything else. We just kind of push it all to the side, and we kind of say, okay, where my life is right now, I have just enough Febreze on the sin in my life to make sure that I smell good when I'm around the right people. And I apply it when I need to apply it, but am I willing to do the hard work of coming into in, into a, a relationship with Jesus in which the holiness of God is able to shine through in my life. The reality is this, is that I've watched way too many young men and women try to cover over their sin for way too long. And the end game of that, guys, is that eventually we get frustrated. Because we're working with something that's we're working with something in our lives that's dead expecting it to smell differently but we're not willing to let go of it i had a conversation with a young man and the worship team can come back up i had a conversation with young men all the time who are who are walking in some things that they know are not pleasing to god that they know that 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 uh that, man, God has something so much better, so much fuller, so much more joy for me. But they just aren't willing to let go. And I was having a conversation with a man, young man just the other day. And I, I was talking to him and I said, I said, listen, do you think what you are doing? And he was in a relationship with, with a young lady that just wasn't healthy. It was causing anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, anger. I mean, obviously unhealthy. 
but he wasn't willing to let go of it. Because he wasn't sure what the young lady was going to do, and it was, there was some manipulation involved, emotional manipulation involved, and, and I think he was uh, uh, fearful of being alone. And, and I said, listen, how, how long are you going to hold on to this burning frying pan? When are you just going to let go? Because until you, until you do, you want the burning to stop, right? You want the burning to stop. Like you want the, you want the, you, I, I told him, essentially you picked up a frying pan that is glowing hot and you grab the handle and you're angry about the fact that you're hurting and you're angry about the fact that, that you have hurt in your life. But the very thing that you know you need to let go of, why aren't you just willing to let go? What are you afraid of happening? And we had an incredible conversation. And I don't know, I'm still praying for this young man, and I'm praying that, that, that he makes the right decision. But are we willing to let go of the, of the death in our lives? Are we willing to give it to Jesus fully? Or are we just going to spray it with Febreze so that we can continue to go back and enjoy it when we want to enjoy it or in, and try to enjoy it in the form that we want to enjoy it in? Because I, I want us to be a, a group of people that, that 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 fight for holiness. That that say, God, I don't I don't want to I don't want to spit in the face of of the grace that you have given me. I want to understand the gospel so fully that I understand that I want to be fully what it is that you have made me to be, fully restored, fully redeemed, fully in the center of your will. And again, I'm not saying that that this is, this is me saying that you need to be perfect and you need to act a certain way. That's not what this is about. This is about me saying that God has something better and is so good. And even now as I'm saying some of these things, I think there's a wrestling match over your soul. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, like, like this is probably, to so this afternoon, uh, was probably the, the hardest message prep that maybe I've ever had in my short ministry career. I've been preaching now for about eight years, and I don't know that I've ever wrestled over a message this much. And what that tells me is, is that the devil is trying to grab onto hearts, and he's trying to convince you just not to let go, just to keep that dead stuff in your minivans, because he loves the stink that it's making in your life. And he loves it when you just go and you spray it with a little bit of Febreze once in a while, and then you walk away and not ever actually do, do business with Jesus over those things. Because he knows that as long as that's in there, he's got that portion of your life. And, and Jesus is sitting there just saying, I, want, I died for that. I died for that. And I want you to walk in freedom and you're walking in bondage. If you just bow your heads, I just want to close with some prayer. If, you, if you're here tonight and you are... You're not convinced. You're not convinced that God has removed your sin. You're not convinced. You, you don't have confidence before him. Whenever I ask people to, to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you feel as though you need to get saved all over again every single week. Jesus has paid it all. And when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, You've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. He has paid it all.
For some of you in here, that's that's what you need tonight. You need assurance of, of your salvation. Maybe you've, maybe you've had a relationship with Jesus Christ way back when, but you've just completely, you've went on deliberately sinning, as the Bible says. And tonight you like to say, God, I'm coming back to you, or God, I'm coming to you for the first time, and I want that, I want that relationship with you. Just raise your hand in here if that's for you, and I just want you to look at me. Is that for you? Okay. Awesome. If, that, if that's you, I want to see you after the service. And I'd love to tell you about what that means and how to make that decision. But if you're here tonight and there's some things in your life that you've been spraying with Febreze for a long time. And you want to give that to God tonight? Just raise your hand. No one's looking around. God wants to set you free from that. And I think that sometimes just a simple act of raising up a hand physically positions our heart spiritually say, yeah, I want that. So I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to ask that you take these next few moments as the worship team plays, and and uh, that you would uh, you just do some giving that to Jesus. He doesn't want to condemn you. He doesn't want to make you feel guilty. He doesn't want to shame you. But he wants to do business with you tonight, and he wants to drag some dead stuff out of your life. It might not feel good right away, but it's going to smell way better eventually. It's going to, promise you. So, Lord, I pray for those things that are dead in our lives that we're not willing to let go of. I just pray we'd let go of them tonight. And, Lord, for those individuals who come to Chi Alpha every single week because it's the only two hours all week that they feel good. God, I pray that as they go from this place, as they let go of certain things, God, I pray that that they would uh, that they would walk in confidence and assurance of their faith. And Lord, even if it means, God, I believe that there's some people in here that need to to let go of some things that that might be burning their hand, might be causing them pain and hurt, and they're afraid to let go. And God, if that is for somebody in here tonight, I just pray that. That, that you would give them the courage to let go of that, trusting that your way is better, even if they can't see the end or they can't see the solution. In Jesus' name, amen. Myself and Aaron and the interns and staff and possibly a couple of small group leaders, uh, Clayton and Leah might, might, uh, might be uh, back there to pray for you guys. And so if there's anything that we can pray for you about, We want these next few moments to just be uh, moments for the Lord to do some some heart surgery on us. And so maybe you just need to be with him. But if you need prayer for something specifically, don't be shy. Come back and, and receive some prayers as we worship. stood before creation. 